I hope you feel his presence because he's in the room. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll be reading from verse 2 to verse 10. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 10. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. This honor, then, is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this word. I thank you for the praise and the worship that draws us closer to your throne. I thank you for your presence here with us this morning. And I just ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will continue to be in us and through us and with us as we hear this word proclaimed. Speak to us what we need to hear from you this morning. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you ask a new mother about their new baby, they will often tell you that the baby does well as long as, as it has certain things taken care of. And we know what those are, right? We could, we could ask because we got new mothers in the house right here. And it's what? Make sure that they're fed. Make sure that they're changed. And sometimes you just have to hold them, right? You just need to rock them. You need to show them some affection. A newborn baby is totally dependent on its parents. It can't do a whole lot for itself. It depends on the parents taking care of it, feeding it, changing it, taking it wherever it needs to go. But that doesn't mean that the baby does not have needs, right? They have absolute needs. And if you don't know that, then you haven't had a baby because they cry until they have their needs met. The wham, 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 wham won't stop when they're hungry until you feed them. It'll continue on and on at all hours of the day and night. When they're newborns, they don't even sleep for very long. They eat, nap, eat, nap, eat, nap. 
I see a lot of nodding back there from the early mothers, right? The new mothers. They eat and nap. I remember my kids used to just take naps and just wake up every 30 or 40 minutes at first until we got them kind of squared away to eat. And it was crazy. But they'll let you know if they need something, right? They will cry. They will tell you in the best way possible by crying out that they have a need. But they're not yet able to verbalize what that need is. So parents, what do we do? We go through the list. Did we change the diaper? Did we hold them enough? And finally, did we feed them? <laughs> did we make sure that they had enough to eat? In 1 Peter, we find that the scripture compares new Christians to newborn infants. And it seems like a strange comparison until you read the first chapter of, of 1 Peter, in which we are told that Christians are born again of the Spirit, that they're born again of the faith, that when they become Christians, they, they basically become like little babies in the faith, and that therefore they have many needs that need to be met and that those needs can only be met by our Heavenly Father. We have to understand that this letter is being written to Christians in a rapidly growing Christian movement. Christianity had been spreading from Jerusalem outwards into the Gentile territories, and people were accepting Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the Savior of the world. And this conversion led them to experience new life in Him, but they still didn't understand fully what that meant. They still didn't understand fully what it implied. They were basically like newborns only drinking milk. And they had to grow in faith and understanding. So the imagery of newborn babies fits. It fits when you think about somebody who just became a Christian and all they know is that Jesus loved them and died for them on the cross but they yet have to understand what all that means for their daily lives. The illustration is one of new Christians who have real needs, and Peter, 1 Peter basically tells us what they need is the pure, unadulterated word of God. They need the milk that will sustain them and nourishment that will grow them in their faith and in their salvation. Now, if you've had a newborn baby, you know that they don't always immediately take on on that first feeding. Sometimes they reject the milk. They're crying for it. They're crying for it, and you try to feed them, and they're like, I don't know if I want that. And they go, you know what? That's not half bad. I think I want more of that. It takes a moment for them to stop crying and to realize this is what I've been crying for the whole time. This is what I've been wanting the whole time. And it's not until they taste that first taste, that first try, and they really get a taste for that new milk that they really go, okay, I can do with some more of this. They have tasted and seen that it is good. 1 Peter is basically telling us that new Christians have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, but that this is not the end of their faith journey, but the beginning. 
This is when they've gotten a taste for God, notice that God is good, notice that Jesus is good, but then he says, you got to long for more. you got to want more of it. you got to seek more of it in your life. If you know that God is good for you, then you don't want less of him. You want more of him in your life. Here's the thing about newborns. When they're hungry, you can try to give them everything else in the world, and they will not stop crying until they eat. Why? Because there is only one thing that will satisfy their hunger, and it's that milk. You can put them off with a pacifier for a little bit. You might be able to rock them for a little while to distract them from the hunger. But at some point, the hunger is so strong that they will cry and cry and cry until the need for that nourishing milk is satisfied. What would it mean for us to hunger for God in such a powerful way that we would not stop until we were fed spiritually by God, until it overflowed, until we had so much of God in us that it was just pouring out from us unto others. Because this is basically what 1 Peter is telling these new Christians. I want you to hunger for God in such a powerful way that you will not quit seeking God in your life that you will not stop looking for him, that you will not stop learning about him, that you will not stop inviting him into your life in every situation that you face. The other noteworthy thing is that newborns don't eat once and are done. And it'd be great if you could just feed them in the morning and wait until lunchtime, right? Not newborns. Two hours, 30 minutes, one hour, they're random. They don't even go on a regular schedule at first. Whenever they're hungry, they want to eat. <laughs> and they want to eat regularly, constantly, continuously. There's this need, and they're not going to stop. So they continue to come back for more and more and more. And as they do, they grow and they grow and they grow. And in the same way, Christians are told to grow into their salvation. Grow in every possible way that you can through the Word of God. Oftentimes, the, the milk is compared to the Word of God that nourishes our spirit. We grow in discipleship, learning how to follow Jesus a little bit closer. We learn how to love God and love others through the example of Jesus Christ. We learn how to trust God in everything You know, kids do grow, and then they hit those terrible twos where they think they can do everything by themselves. And I think sometimes as Christians, we hit the terrible twos, and we start thinking that we can just take care of things ourselves. And I think First Peter is reminding us that as Christians, we always need to have our reliance completely on God and always trust his word. For nourishment. First Peter was written to those new Christians who were experiencing a lot of new things, a lot of firsts. You know, one of the things that you get with newborns is a lot of firsts. First, the first time they grab something, the first time they reach for something, the first time they turned, the first time of this and that. As new Christians, these Christians were experiencing a lot of new firsts. And one of the negative New first that they were experiencing was persecution because of their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. 
First Peter is writing them because he knows that because they have decided to follow Jesus, there are people in their own families that are rejecting them. There are people in their own communities that used to be their friends or grew up with them that no longer want anything to do with them because they are followers now of Jesus. And so he, he writes to them and he says, I know that you're experiencing these things, but I want you to know that God chose you and that you are special to God, that you have been picked by God and that God has a special plan for you. The illustration moves from newborn babies to spiritual houses built by God out of them. And he says to them, I know it's, it's rough right now, but let yourself be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And when I read this, what really struck me was the words, let yourself. You know why? Because I think oftentimes we don't let ourselves be built by God. We want to do it ourselves or we want to tell God how to do it because we know how we want it to look in the end. It's almost like having a remodeling of your house and, and you've got an idea of what you want it to be. And somebody with more knowledge and more experience comes in and tells you, you really want to do it this way because it's going to end up better in the end. But you, but you, you want it the way you want it. And you don't trust them. And then at the end, sometimes you find out, you know, maybe I should have listened to them. They knew what they were talking about. God tells us to let him build us up as a spiritual house, to allow him to change us, to allow him to build up our faith, to allow him to use us, to allow him to change us from the inside out, to allow him to treat us as newborn infants and grow us steadily through his word. You know, God doesn't do anything without our permission and consent. We got to let him. You can't invite somebody to remodel your house and leave them outside the door. Don't work that way. You got to let him in. You got to give him permission. You got to allow him free access to everything that is needed to do the job. But it is easy to feel discouraged when our faith is causing so much rejection. When things are are being difficult because friends and family are turning their backs on us and don't appreciate us because of our faith. And First Peter wanted these new Christians to know you're special. God loves you. God has chosen you to be his people. And God has a plan. And he's going to keep working with you. I think sometimes we just need to hear that. We need to hear that God's not done yet. That God's still working. That God still has plans for us and that God still has mercy. Many of these early Christians probably didn't understand why people didn't get their faith. They had tasted and seen that God was good, and they couldn't understand how other people didn't understand that because they had not had that experience. They could not understand how people did not get it, that there was forgiveness to be found in Jesus Christ. Because they had embraced that forgiveness. They had received it. They had, they had walked in it. And they were celebrating it. First, Peter explains to them that 
People rejected even Jesus, who was the cornerstone of our faith. They rejected him, and as Christians, we should expect that we were going to experience some rejection in life because people don't get our faith sometimes. Jesus himself was not received and accepted by all. But to those who did receive him, he became salvation. He became grace. He became power from God. He became all the things that they had longed for and needed in their lives. Those who rejected him did so because they just couldn't accept his words. They couldn't accept his message. They couldn't accept that God had taken human flesh to dwell among us and die on a cross for our sins. They could not accept any of those things. And so the scripture tells us that Jesus became a stumbling block for them because they simply couldn't follow his words. They couldn't follow his teaching. They just didn't get them. They basically refused the spiritual milk. They were not willing to come and taste and see that the Lord was good. Peter then contrasts for us those who have rejected Jesus to those who have accepted him. He says, that's them. But you, you, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You're God's own people. And there's a purpose for all of these things. In order that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. How awesome is that? How awesome is it that God would not just choose us, but give us all of these designations. We all remember that nightmare of having to pick teams in high school for sports and standing there on the line and hoping that you were not the last one picked. Do you remember the little dance you did as you were picked and you were going to your team because you were celebrating and you're looking back at the others that haven't been picked yet and you're going, yeah, they'll call you next. But you were happy. You were celebrating. Why? You got chosen. It's good to be chosen. And it's even better to be chosen and picked by God, to be called by God to be his people. And he says, and I'm going to make you a royal priesthood. And then you have to remember what a priest did. A priest went before God for, on behalf of the people. They interceded on behalf of the people. They offered sacrifices on behalf of the people. They always were linking people to God. And basically, 1 Peter is telling us that we have been chosen to link people to God and to continue to pray for them before God. But we are special because we are royal. We are princess and prince of a kingdom. And Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior. And then finally, we are a holy nation. And this is really important because people hear holy and they think, oh, that means perfect. It actually means separated for God. Holy means being separated, being set aside for God. And we are to be a holy nation, a nation separated for God, separated from other things so that we can concentrate on the kingdom of God so, we, so that we can live in this world but not be of this world so that we can be here 
but looking forward to our citizenship in heaven. And as, as part of any nation, you're supposed to follow its laws and commandments. So to be part of God's holy nation means to live by his word and to follow his instructions. If you're a Christian, though, you've experienced what the Christians receiving this letter had experienced. Sometimes Christians don't fit in. They fit out. They stick out. People notice them. If you're really a Christian, you're sometimes the odd person out trying to do the right thing when other people are just doing whatever. If you're a Christian, sometimes you're the one sticking out for justice when other people are kind of fudging the lines. If you're a Christian, sometimes you're the one trying to help the needy when everybody else is kind of searching for themselves. And therefore, you experience what these early Christians experienced where their faith cost them because people treated differently, each of them, because of their faith in Jesus Christ. First Peter tells us that these people had been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into God's marvelous light. And that meant a transformation from the inside out. It made a change. And people around them had seen and noticed that change. And I'll say this carefully, but if you're a Christian and people can't tell you're a Christian, there's a problem. If they can't see Jesus through you, there is a problem. If they can experience the love of God through you, there's a problem. If they're not seeing you walk on the footsteps of Jesus, there's a problem. What is the result of all this change? Well, according to 1 Peter, we who were once a not a people, now are a people. We who had not received mercy, now have received mercy. And because of those things, we now proclaim the excellence of him. You know, it's amazing to me, when we have something bad, we share it very quickly. But sometimes we have the best thing in the world, which is Jesus Christ, and we don't share him with anybody. You know I'm telling the truth? Oh, this is awful. You need to taste this. Oh, this is a horrible video. Let me forward it to every one of my friends. Oh, this is so disgusting. You must look at it. But when it comes to good stuff, when it comes to what God is doing in our lives, when it comes to the remodel that God has affected in our lives, we don't tell anybody. We don't share it. We don't invite anybody to experience it for themselves. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? If you have, why aren't you telling someone? We need to be telling someone. Someone needs to hear us proclaim the excellence of him who has called us out of darkness into marvelous light. The scripture also reminds me that we must remember who we are and whose we are. We never outgrow our need of being nourished by the spirit of God and the word of God. Never outgrow that need. Kayla shared something with me before the service about Evie. She was starting to do 
random trust falls where she was just falling back and expecting people to catch her. And it reminded me of something. As Christians, we expect God to catch us all the time, right? We have that childlike trust of God where we believe that God has our back all the time. And that's something we should never lose. A lot of the songs we sang today were about trusting, 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 trusting God. Why do we have to sing so much about that? Because we doubt. Because we don't trust. Because so often we just can't do it, can't bring ourselves to let things go into God's hands and trust that he can take care of it. Today, as I close, I'm just going to invite us to the altar to come and just come before God and acknowledge that we are like newborn babies needing nourishment in our lives, that we want Jesus to be all in all in us, and that we want the boldness to invite others to know Jesus because he is worthy to be known and worthy to be praised. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this word. I thank you for the challenge, Lord, to share all the good that you have done in our lives, all the good that we have experienced from your hand, all the good that you have shown us through your word. We ask on this day, O oh Lord, that if there's anything that we have not surrendered to you, anything that we have not allowed you to work in, anything, O oh Lord, that we have been holding back, we ask you to help us to bring it to your feet, to lay it down, to trust you in it, and to trust that you're going to help us with it. We ask for boldness and courage to share Jesus. We ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The altar is going to be open if you want to come up for prayer. If you want to pray by yourself, we have a reserve section between the two green markers. If you come anywhere else, well, somebody in our prayer team will be glad to come and pray with you today. Prayer team, today, if somebody comes up, you're going to ask them what they want you to pray for them for. Okay? Let's worship.